0: that they are earning more than they are, coupled with claims on their business sports network turn to the experts carrier
1: is everybody ready let's get rolling
0: this is the big show on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network
1: Welcome back. It is the big show. Britton Johnson alongside. We're going to talk with uh, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, coming up in just a second. But I just want to let everybody know that Kawhi Leonard is back in Canada. His jet has landed. And there's a crowd gathering outside the hotel where he is to meet with Raptor executives. A crowd. And when I told Austin that, Austin said, he's not the Beatles.
2: (laughs) Well, for Toronto sports right now, he kind of is.
1: Yeah, I guess he is, isn't he?
2: Again, it's such a bizarre turn of event. Man, in one year time, one year's time for, for, for this to this happen. Does that Does that kind of thing bother you? There, there has that there's a crowd quiet, yeah. well, I could care less. I mean, it doesn't bother me any. It doesn't.
1: bothers Austin because he doesn't like uh, him garnering all this attention. No,
2: I just think it's a. I think it's a unique story and it's been a unique year in the sense that he went there in a year by kind of default and uh the fact that you just win a championship when that happens and the Rosen leaves I I just uh I think people expected Toronto to have another good year, a better year with him. I don't think anybody expected this. So I, no. and you've got a fan base that's fanatical. So
1: all right. Uh, let's go out on the uh the hotline and talk with uh, David Locke. David, how the heck are you, man? I'm good. The murmurs
0: are floating out there. We'll see what's true. I know we're all rooting for it. Changes our lives pretty dramatically on what one of his three choices are here. You want him just to stay
1: right there in Toronto where the people are gathering outside his hotel?
0: I mean, I think if he stays in Toronto and you pull 20 NBA experts, you might end up with seven different Western Conference (laughs) finalists. (laughs) Yeah. which I think it'd be fun, right? That's just
2: right. I mean, it'd be crazy. Like crazy.
0: The Jazz in Denver would probably be near the top of the list, but they'd be at the top of the list based on the reported moves that are out there at about fifty-four wins, maybe. And I think uh, New Orleans and the Lakers are at forty-nine to fifty wins. And I don't know who comes out of the playoffs picture um, if that's. You know, who doesn't make the playoffs? I, I got asked that the other day. I had no answer at all um, on who doesn't make it. I, you know, I can give you Oklahoma City just because of my disdain for them. It's really fun to talk about the idea of them not making the playoffs, but I'm not sure that's accurate.
2: <laughs> David, I, I don't know necessarily if this is the right way to ask ask this question, but when Kevin Durant went to Golden State, were you bugged, and do you feel like if Kawhi does this with the Lakers, do you feel, do you still feel, do you feel the same way? I don't know if bug's the right way to say it, but just kind of annoyed at the dominance of what that team became.
0: So I'm going to answer the question a little differently than what you're asking, just because I'm not actually sure I have an answer to that, Britt. So hopefully yeah. I'll give you an answer that's at least worthwhile. There, there's two things that I think are interesting here. One is the league worked really, really hard in the last collective bargaining agreement in reaction to the Heatles to try to not to have the league even out, have more parity per se, and have multiple great teams rather than a single super team. And the union's unwillingness to smooth the free agency money bubble allowed for Kevin Durant to go. And so really the bigger one for me, as someone who kind of follows the league as intently as I did, was wondering if Durant had stayed in Oklahoma City, like over the last five years, we might have had five different champions. And that's what the league is hoping for. I think the same is true tonight or tomorrow or the next day. When Kawhi decides, if Kawhi stays in Toronto, I think there's any of four or five teams in the East that can win it, any of six or seven teams in the West that could win it. And so it's really remarkable to me that the league actually may have structured a collective bargaining agreement that has somewhat minimized the super team. Now, we'll see. Um, You know, obviously that changes if he goes to the Lakers and they have three of the top seven players in the NBA or six players. Um, And, you know, then then we have a different circumstance. The other one where I just am not as bothered or bugged is part of the mantra usually about someone who's bothered by Kevin Durant going to the Warriors is that the old time guys wouldn't do it. And that is total hogwash. I mean, that is just blatantly not true, right? Like, first of all, Kareem left Milwaukee to go to L.A., so this has been going on forever. And it's great to talk about Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and how they would never have played together, except for the fact that each of them had three Hall of Famers on their team. So
3: point. had they been yeah.
0: paired with Anthony Parker, Zadrunas Ilgaskis, Sasha Pavlovic as their team, I'm betting they would have looked for Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, too. <laughs> so I, Charles Barkley jumped I teams, ju- yeah. I mean, Right, yeah. I mean, Barkley, Drexler, and Kim Olajuwon were all on a team together. They just didn't happen to win it. Um, so I, I'll tell you what. I just, I just, you know, I think player movement. And, and Durant is, as we've now learned, and boy, Marcus Thompson of The Athletic wrote a great piece the other day, Durant's this mercurial guy searching for this endless happiness, and Zach Lowe wrote about it as well, and he can't find it. And he won a championship and was unfulfilled. And I, I have no, you know, I've kind of alluded to this for a while on the air. If you've listened to me, I know some of the things he's done since then. I'll keep them private. Um, but I mean, he was really unhappy. Still, he won a championship. People still called LeBron the best player in the world. He didn't know he won Finals MVP. Couldn't understand that he did it again. They still called LeBron the best player in the world, and he just totally became more and more selfish and obsessed with his place because he couldn't find happiness not because he's a selfish bad dude but because he couldn't find happiness and marcus thompson wrote how he and steph just never get together and what he's searching for now is this relationship with Kyrie that he believes is going to bring him some fulfillment and you know we could do a dr phil on on kevin durant and his father leaving him and all sorts of stuff but it does feel as though that all is tying into this unique person who made that decision and that's much more of what happened than anything league-wide
1: David, I know you have to be uh, sort of careful about how you navigate questions about what the Jazz have done reportedly, but uh, can you give us some sort of synopsis of what you think is happening here and and the uh, the the uh, what the uh, the quality of the athlete that's being brought in? Woohoo! <laughs> is that
0: good? That was a good
1: synopsis right there. Yeah. Go Jazz! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> like, does that work? Does I that mean,
0: give me no trouble at all?
1: The, the, the funny thing about it is, David, that a lot of people wondered whether the Jazz were serious about what they were saying. We heard it from Gail Miller. We heard it from Dennis Lindsay. We certainly heard it from Quinn that he wa- they wanted the team that would uh, uh, contend for a title. And I'll be daggone, in my opinion, if they haven't gone out and done that.
0: Right, and I think that, according to all reports, what you see is them taking a risk. I mean, frankly, the easy thing to do would have been, particularly after the first report of Mike Conley, is just kind of say, all right, well, we're good enough, and we'll move on. And now they've really tried to build even a different you know, team than that, and I think what they've really done fabulously is on the offensive side, according to all reports, is that they have built a team that matches their two best players my frustration a year ago with the caveat that i didn't think there were any other options for them to do anything and it would only and let me give me another 12 months before i evaluate if you remember last year that was kind of the line i had at the end of free agency last year was i don't there's some things here i don't really love but let me let's go 12 give me 12 months to decipher it and the contracts that they handed out all had value to them with favors and the way they did that and Dante. And I think we're now seeing the next step because what what you didn't love was that as much as we all love Derek, it Derek doesn't work for Donovan or Rudy. Right? He Derek in his own is fabulous. But Rudy rolling to the basket, running into Derek's man every single time. Donovan driving yeah. to the basket, running into Derek's man every single time. Like, they can all love Derek and see his value, but that's got to drive them crazy, right? Yeah. And then when, frankly, we got to the playoffs and you can't even start Derek anymore, now you're paying $18 million for a backup center. And, it, you know, they pushed that as far as they could. They had great success with it. That's a tribute to how good Derrick is. But for them to get to the next level... That lineup wasn't going to do it anymore. It was in the 11th percentile of all offense. Yeah, okay. at some point the data is just so stark you can't ignore it. And as you know, and again, doesn't mean that Joe Ingles and Derek weren't great together, and that Derek's weak side defense wasn't great. Offensively, the the thing that was going on all of last year was as good as they might be defensively, even against the best offense teams. Even if their defense had impact, the offense couldn't get to that point that the offense wasn't good enough to get where the defense slowed the other team down there was still too much work to do to get there this team i mean i'll say it this way rudy gobert wins his third straight defensive player of the year award the jazz are in the finals Mm. or i guess their number one seed because it's a regular season award because i'm not sure they're good defensively and if they are as good defensively then rudy's a beast And we're finding, you're going to find out how great Rudy is. Because this team offensively is going to be fabulous. They can shoot it. They can score. They have multiple dribble drive players. They have multiple elite level shooting. They have four of the top 50 catch and shoot guys in the league. They have two of the best corner three shooters in the league. They've got four elite pick and roll players and not even counting anyone coming off the bench. And they are going to be interchangeable both offensively and defensively. And I I don't know how you guard them. I mean, I don't know how you guard this team as it's projected. I mean, Britt, you want the right-to-left pick-and-roll or the left-to-right pick-and-roll? Which do you want? Give me. Top of the key, I want left-to-right or right-to-left. Give it to me. I'm going to give you the call.
2: Right. I, I mean, you, you know what I'm excited for you to be able to do is just see players, uh, you know, with your analysis, become better. I feel – I, I don't know what Dante's going to become. I'm just throwing his name out there, for example. But he loves to get to the rim. We need him to stay healthy, obviously, when he gets to the rim, not get banged up. But just the spacing, you mentioned it uh, with Rudy rolling to the basket and the spacing of not running into favors guy. But uh, I, I think for several players, there's just going to be so much more room because, because of
0: how great the shooting is. Uh, Bojan's corner three shooting percentage for the last five seasons in the NBA. Okay. Corner three, 44, 43, 45, 46,
3: 50. Wow.
0: Okay. Let's do Joe Ingles. Corner three. Here's in the NBA for Joe. So let's go to Joe's last five years in the NBA corner three shooting. 45, 49, 42, 53 44 i'm running a pick and roll with mike conley or donovan mitchell i got rudy gobert rolling which of those two guys are you leaving it's great it's a great point it's a great point
1: yeah what do you
2: do if you're playing defense you know yeah you you i mean look what we had to do with james harden right you you guess you gamble it's like the goalie on the penalty kick you 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 take a guess and you gamble and you hope it. if you're to wrong up. it's uh, but, three and, points and man. that's probably when you get a smart player like Conley and David you can you know you know this with, with with the way you've watched him when you get a smart player like Conley that starts to realize the way you're guessing then it's like he owns you the rest of the game and Donovan's getting there as well but once he can start to tell how you're making your decisions and then then he can pick you apart can I jump back to
0: something that you guys were talking
2: We, lost,
1: we lost. you
0: there, David.
2: You still there,
1: David? Oh. Yeah. Uh, is he so heading up the mountain, or I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see if we. Can. He brings up a great point there, Britton, That when you spread the floor that way, and people talk a lot about spacing. But that kind of spacing is so useful. That's why it's so valued, and that's why certain people are pretty excited about what the Jazz are
2: doing. Well, the spacing and the three-point shooting is awesome, but here's what's so great. Rudy Gobert, number one in field goal percentage because when he gets the ball in a certain area around the basket, the alley-oops, the rebounds, it's over. He's going to score it. You don't have a lot of centers doing that in the NBA right now. Because of the value of that, now you have to drop guys in to stop Rudy. You have to have you have to drop him back. He's back. So,
1: so David, you were saying uh, you wanted
0: to go get back to something we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So you mentioned Dante. I tweeted out a few times um, last last few days, thinking my thoughts on what the rotation is, and I had Dante as a wing, and it's caused a lot of people to ask me questions about it, and I talked about it on Locked On Jazz today. But you have a much larger audience than I do on my little podcast, so I want to to touch on it. So. I might be wrong on this, and they may use Dante in a different way. This is just my vision. Do you remember Trevor Ariza of the Lakers? Not Trevor Ariza that we know now, who is 34 or 5 years old, but Trevor Ariza of the Los Angeles Lakers, who played with Kobe. And, like He was the sixth man on that, un, that incredible Lakers team that had Fisher, Kobe, Lamar Odom, Pau Gasol, and Andrew Bynum, yeah. and usually actually closed games. So that was the 23-year-old Trevor Ariza. He played 25 minutes a night for the Lakers championship team. He shot 46% from the field and 32% from three. He grabbed about three rebounds. He had two assists a game, and he had two steals a game. He was a defensive wizard who played off a dominating shot-making shooting guard. Sound familiar? Who, with a dominating big man in the middle who played off the weak side action and was so long and so fast that if he had a step, he beat you to the rim every time, and he was just a good enough shooter, but not really that good to cause you problems. In the playoffs, the Jazz approach was to leave Trevor Ariza wide open, and he promptly buried three straight threes to beat them in that series. That is who I think Dante Exum is. And I think to go making with him too. play point guard makes him think too much and work too much and stymies his genius. His genius is length, quickness, getting on top of the cup offensively, length, incredible quickness laterally, and defensive prowess on the best wing offensive players. So I see Dante as a 2-3 is his future, and I think that's how you play him on this roster.
2: I like that. So, David, with last year, I mean, the whole team came back except adding Grayson uh, this year with all your statistics and analogies and scenarios, mismatches, everything. Do you feel like a kid in the candy store right now with, with what you have to work with in this offseason?
0: Well, I was thinking about one thing, and that is um, that's ironic, is so every September the organization is really great to me and a bunch of us and lets us get our production done. The guys come in usually to start their kind of open camps and getting in shape after Labor Day. Most of, the, most of the, you know this, Britain, most of the good runs across the country in Houston and then Miami and LA are mm-hmm. done because the college kids are gone. And so the runs are gone. Yep. And so they all come back to their teams at that point to get good runs and get ready for the season. And the Jazz have been great to us in given us production time. Well, for the last few years, it's been like hard. Like, I've already, you know, I've done the Get to Know Derek Favors interview a hundred times. So, like, I've been actually reading books and finding really creative things and did this, you know, one on mindset and another one on grit. And last year we did culture code and did all these, like, creative things for these sit-down interviews to get an insight onto who the players are. And today I was thinking to myself about that. Um And, yes, it's July, and I'm thinking about what I'm doing in September, so you know I'm bored already. Um I was... And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I got to go back to like the get to know interviews. I got to go find my notes from, because you know we don't know who Mike Conley is, and we don't know Bojan yet, and we don't know Emmanuel Mudiay, and we don't. I just tweeted out an article. I was actually reading feature articles today on both Emmanuel Moutier and Jeff Green to learn who they are as humans a little bit and find out notes for them for later this year. Yeah, I know it's two months early on board. Um, so I, you know, it's it's interesting just on how different the roster is, and and you know how." we're going to get to know new people. I, I also, I will say this. I think there's going to have to be a rebuild culture. Like, I think, I think they're going to have to learn how to play hard again. Like, like they, they played hard over the last few years really consistently all the time because that's what the, a lot of those guys did. Ricky Rubio played hard every night and faves generally, particularly over the last year, I would say faves played harder than he ever did in any other season. Um, you know, I think that when you, uh, and so I don't think, you know, some, Jeff Green's actually not known as a guy who plays, you know, particularly hard. He's known as yeah. got a lot of skills and things like that, but he's not known as a guy who's, you know, diving on the floor, playing hard. That's not never been the mantra on him. So I actually think there's an element of this team where one of their bigger challenges is going to be learning how to play hard.
1: And I think that uh, under the influence of Quinn Snyder, some of these guys just might exceed expectations even more because of his brilliance. But anyway, David, yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, go ahead. no, I mean, it's,
0: for Quinn to have turned the team that he's had into an average team, an above-average offensive team, what they might be able to do is, you know, we're going to find out something. The Jazz have gotten the best looks in the NBA for two years in a row. And did they get the best looks in the league because Quinn Snyder had the best offense or because their shooters were so bad that nobody cared? <laughs> and we're about to find out.
1: I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but uh, we'll see. David, if you need any help coming up with nicknames, uh, I'm, I'm happy to lend my talents. <laughs> you know, I mean that. Uh, um, my I,
0: dad, think. my dad told me in when I that in one of his more important moments, and you know my father a little bit, so they're usually pretty good advice. Um, that the the must, most important thing in life is to know your own weaknesses, not your own strengths. Similarly, <laughs> to know your enemies, not your friends. Um, <laughs> And so I know my weaknesses um, and nicknames is not something I'm good at. So you will hear very few from me ever. And maybe um, you should follow my father's (laughs) advice as well.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you want his advice on the nicknames.
1: They're so bad. They're good. All right, David. Thanks a lot, man. We appreciate it. You're good good with
0: fishing stories, Gordon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's going way back now. David, thank you, man. Appreciate it. See you, guys. guys. All All right, right. David Locke, voice of the... The Jazz. Any quick comment on uh, what he said?
2: No, I love that last part, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'm taking the latter. Not that I'm taking anything whatsoever away from Quinn Snyder's brilliance. I think I've I've spoken enough about that. Where if if you're a first time listener today, uh, just let me confidently tell you, I've I've uh, more than than flattered, not flattered, but I've I've more than talked uh, highly of Quinn's coaching ability. But I'm going to say that there was open shots because, due to the fact that you had. Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors, and Ricky Rubio, three guys that can't shoot threes on the floor at the same time. Not a good combination. You leave them. You leave them, and, yeah. you, and you sink everybody right into the paint. But if you, you address
1: that defensively, that opens up a whole
2: other kind yeah. of worms. But now you've there. got shooters, and so I think that the, the, the you still – but Bob Nonovich, you watch some of his highlights, he hits a lot of threes with hands right in his face, like we saw Jay Crowder shoot, mm-hmm. like we shouldn't have seen Jay Crowder mm-hmm. shoot. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, Lance uh, –
1: Invite all the folks to come down here to ARUP.
3: Yeah, we need everybody. This is special community blood drive. We just have so many patients coming into our hospitals every single day. We've been averaging 55 to 65 patients every single day this summer. And we had our biggest patient that we've ever seen this year uh, come in yesterday and I got a call in the afternoon. The blood bank gives me a heads up, and whenever I see them pop up on my phone, i I know there's trouble going on. They're like, we've got a we've got a patient in the OR. They're they're up to 100 units right now, and they're still going. Oh, wow. And so they were O positive, and when I got to work this morning, they said they used 173 in 24 hours. Oh wow. And so my goodness that. Just to give you a perspective, we try to keep 200 units of O-positive on hand at all times, so 173 went to one patient yesterday, and so we need all blood types, not just O-positive. We need O-positive, O-negative, just because of the holidays. We get extra swamped at at the hospital. Donations tend to go down because we're all out having fun and traveling, and so if you have 30 minutes... We need your help today. Don't stand on the sideline like, ah, everybody else is going to go in. We need, we you, need you to be that you, hero. Yeah. Exactly, Britt. And, and so if you can come in, we're open till 7 o'clock tonight at 9786 South, 500 West. And every single donor gets a $10 Megaplex gift card and a $5 Subway gift card as well.
1: Well, that's great. Um, I like the way you said that, man. You call up these
3: folks who come in heroes.
1: They really are. They are saving lives.
3: Yeah, they are. We were talking about a donor the other day. He's given a 1,000 donations. He's one of the first uh, donors back in San Diego, and he moved to Utah. And they were trying to add up all the different patients that he's influenced over 40 years. And it's thousands Hmm. across the country that their lives have changed because of this one man. And so that's what you do. You come in, and you're giving somebody hope that, is going through the biggest challenge of their life.
1: Come on down and see Lance. The staff is here ready for you. Uh, It's fun to meet these people, too, who come in and and are willing to give uh, their time and their blood to help other people. Great facility. It's it's
2: just so clean and crisp in here. You know what I mean? So you come in, and if you're worried about, you know, having to give blood and whatnot and what what it feels like in here, it's just – I I mean, for me, I'm a little bit of an OCD person. I just love how clean it is and how well you guys take care of it. We just want it to
3: feel like a home because we know it's not the most enjoyable experience. But we want you to feel good because you're doing something that just makes such a big impact.
1: You're here. We got jazz gear to give out. If you stop by, we'll give it to
3: you. And Lance, give out that that address one more time. Yeah, we're 9786 South, 500 West. That's in Sandy on the west side of the freeway. Just keep driving down the frontage road until you see the giant American flag, and come on in. All right. We'll be right back talking more jazz basketball, maybe even a little
1: football talk as well, coming up next on The Big Show.
0: This is Tony. All
1: righty. Okay, here we go. No, he's here. I'm here. All right, that wraps up a big show, Britt. Thanks for stopping in, man. We appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, what were you first t- what, our
2: first show together, right? What, yeah,
1: I think so. What were you tweeting? Yeah. out? you're tweeting out stuff about how, uh, how I I you weren't sent out for gonna go? no, I
2: I I gave people options. I gave people options. Should I'm doing a three hour show with Gordon, right now. Usually Jake steers the ship, right, and you get to play uh, you know information analysis. You said ship. You, ship well, yeah okay. yeah with Chip, um and you're the color guy right um but today you had to be play by play and i came be- in mean, with color and you did great and the, and the deal is no i i think i did, did great because you set me up well but the problem is you and i both have a lot of stories we like to tell so i didn't know if we were going to clash or if we were going to mesh and so i told listeners you know i'm going to do three hours with gordon either cross your fingers I don't know whether to tell you to cross your fingers, say a prayer, feel envious, say, feel envious, right? Because I thought maybe some listeners are like, man, he's lucky he gets to go do a show with Gordon. Oh sure, yeah. Or oh, and then I said, or door number four just uh, listen in and enjoy the time. And I think most people went with door number four.
1: Well, contrary to the reputation that Austin tries to give me that I'm constantly trying to one up people and whatnot. I have given you wide berth to tell your story. Absolutely.
2: Today. Man, I feel like I'm in just a giant cozy lane over here. See? You know, I'm in the commuter lane with nobody around me and I'm just enjoying life and I got to tell stories and I didn't you talk
1: me... over you at no, all. You, I just you let you let let it me... go, man.
3: So
2: for right now. You let me ask questions to, to David. You let me give a shout-out to my good friend who passed away on Monday, David Bona. Uh, rest in peace. And, and uh, you let me do a lot of things. So right. this was a, You guys Have even you did it ACDC. Well. You, you threw ACDC. Thank you, Austin, for my good friend. So that was, uh, it's been a fun time. This has been good. Thanks a lot. We do appreciate it. Any advice
1: it. for me?
0: Because well, uh, I'm filling in for you on Friday, Brit.
2: Oh, Wow. You're filling He's
1: in He's doing the me. show with me. Yes, You're so filling in for you.
2: Jake, and I'm filling in for you, yes. Bob and weave, Austin. Just okay. bob and weave. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? little zig and zag. A little zig and zag, and just go with the flow. Have we Don't ever, anchor yourself. Have we ever You're done, done a the show,
1: water. just the two of us before like that? Not ever? like that, no. Not, not in a planned, <laughs> orchestrated way, no. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you a, a wide berth, too. And who's I'm going
2: to tell all the stories I know. Who's filling in for you, Austin? Who's, who's back there uh, uh, playing commander? I think wow. Clint
1: will be the one uh, at, the, at okay. the wheel. So
2: Okay. You're in good hands then, ma'am. Yeah, I
1: think we'll be all right. That's a way well, of saying it. Anyway,
2: <laughs>
1: a big old thanks, Britton. Thank you, you it, for Adam. coming by. We do appreciate it. And always enjoy your analysis. And real quick, inside of one minute, give us your rap on what you think the Jazz are doing here and how effective they'll be.
2: Yeah, you know, I think more than anything, the, the, the Jazz have satisfied fans, first of all, because this has been more movement than fans have been able to see uh, in a long time. Probably more movement ever. I mean, I'm trying to think. We we talked a little bit about the Boozer, Mehmet Okur, but that, this feels different. Yes, this exactly. is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how they did the draft. I mentioned that. I like that they, they swung on three different second-rounders, and who cares if they miss? Second-rounders are fine. First-rounders, you get judged on a little more. Uh, But I think that the acquisitions, if everything pans out, I think everything will. Uh, I think the acquisitions are spot on. And what you're feeling, Donovan and Rudy, around have to be kind of particular pieces. And and in my opinion, they they knocked it out of the park. All
1: right. We want to wish all our listeners a happy 4th of July. Hope you have a safe holiday. Enjoy yourselves with friends and family. And uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Thank Thank you. Thank you.